Hello and welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Grace Management President Guy Geller. The Maple Grove, Minnesota-based company operates 57 senior living communities nationwide. Geller also serves as Chief Operating Officer of CPF Living, Grace Management's parent company. Grace Management is testing the active adult waters with its latest expansion project in Conroe, Texas, and the company has seen other recent success in achieving pre-pandemic margins earlier this year. Even with new development and debt tough to pencil out in the current climate, Geller sees a bright future ahead for Grace Management to capitalize on demand with lower acuity offerings with a market-to-market approach. So this has been a long time coming. We've been working on trying to get into this space for several years now and are excited that this project will be opening up and will be the first of, we hope to be many more in the space. Now, here's my interview with Guy Geller, president of Grace Management and COO of CPF Living. Well, Guy, thank you so much for joining us here on the Transform Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you, Austin. My pleasure. And let's dive right in. Would you outline what spurred Grace Management's interest in Active Adult? Because I think this product type is becoming uh, the topic du jour, if you will, of uh, senior living right now. It seems to be very popular. So would love to know what drove Grace Management in this direction. Yeah, um, as an investment firm, CPF Living, who owns uh, Grace Management, has been actively exploring acquiring uh, active adult for several years now um, through normal kind of means of auction as well as through other opportunities. But we couldn't find anything that sort of resonated with us from an opportunity basis and sort of making sense from a geographic perspective as well. Um, what spurred us to, to go forward with this project was, one, we had done quite a bit of research into the space and had a very good idea of what we liked and what we didn't like. Um, but most important, we had an opportunity on existing campus to expand, utilizing the same team and back office functionality that we have on the existing campus into the active adult uh, with a developer that, frankly, we trusted and had worked with in the past. So it was a unique opportunity for us in Conroe, Texas, to take our first step forward into active adult. We hope it is not just a one and done. Uh, We want to use this as an opportunity to refine the product as we know it, refine our operating platform as we can do it, and to be successful with it to the point where we feel comfortable moving forward with several more, either via acquisition or further developments. So this has been a long time coming. Uh, We've been working on trying to get into this space for several years now and are excited that this project will be opening up and will be the first of, we hope to be many more in the space. And as you said, you know, it is a very hot topic and happy to discuss further why we why we like the space and what we see about it in the future. And just from a product type, what, in your opinion, makes Active Adult so attractive in today's development climate? Because right now there are just so many challenges in making new projects work. I uh, would love to know just how that relationship uh, sits when you look at active adult. Yeah, I think this project is a little bit unique in that it got initiated several years ago, and we were able to lock up the construction financing with the developer before the credit markets really started to get in trouble. Um, therefore, we kind of feel like this development got pushed in just under the wire at the right time, 
I would tell you in, in today's world, we probably would find it very difficult to start a new project in active adult, um, largely just because of the capital markets that support the development process. Um, but nonetheless, we, we feel going into this economic environment where you have a much lower exposure to labor costs and other um, other expenses, frankly, that you see on the independent living and in the traditional senior housing products, uh, as well as having a large amenity package and very good unit sizes. Uh, we do feel that as the economy starts to tighten, uh, those folks that could have potentially gone independent living or could have gone to an active adult will begin to choose the active adult path more so than the independent living path. And so we want to be poised to capture that market as it develops and grows over the next several years. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in active adult right now, and it's kind of that that nexus of multifamily and senior living, which I think a lot of people are trying to figure out because, uh, as we know, the uh, multifamily uh, residential um, apartment development boom was something that really spurred a lot of uh, residential growth across the country. And I think a lot of people within senior living were looking at the lower acuity side of things to kind of have that as an option to these more involved, uh, higher acuity projects. Um, it seems like either end of the spectrum is getting work on right now, that it's either on the high acuity end or the low acuity end. Uh, and certainly that's what it seems like Grace Management is very interested in. Uh, would love for us to learn a little bit more about the project. Do you want to talk about the lakes at Woodhaven uh, Village, which is the project in Conroe, Texas that we've been mentioning here. So do you just want to kind of give a 30,000 foot view of the project itself? Absolutely. So uh, the lakes at Woodhaven Village is a 115 unit active adult living property located in Conroe, Texas, which is approximately 40 miles north of Houston. Uh, the lake spans about 130,000 square feet um, across about five acres. It's uh, designed to meet the active adult living market of today and the future. We'll have amenities ranging from the pools and lap pools, outdoor dog parks, children's playgrounds, et cetera, and, and other amenities in the building as well. We feel like this is the right product for this market. Um, I think a big part of our concern going into the active adult market was what is the right mix of unit sizes, the right mix of common amenities and packages for the residents or for the occupants of the community, and what size and scale you want this to be at. We felt like the 115 unit size with the amenity package that we're talking about, with the units that we're thinking of here, we're building, fits very, very well with this first mover into the senior states in Conroe, Texas. Um, we're not going to sit here and tell you that we've mastered the plan for every active adult across the country. We believe they're very market specific. And in this case, um, we have the benefit of a very large campus literally on the same site that we've been operating for and own for several years. That's the Woodhaven Villages, and it's a Grace Management operated community. It's 168 units with IL, cottages, AL, and memory care. Um, we've feel like the complement of cottages, active adult cottages, independent living, assisted living, and memory care gives a very, very full continuum outside of the skilled nursing world that we don't touch. But this point gives us an entry point for any senior in the marketplace to come into active adult or to come into the cottages or to come into independent living or assisted living or memory care, or frankly, move through the continuum. 
Uh, so we feel like it's a very attractive campus overall, and the active adult resonates with the marketplace. Um, we we really got into this because we bought Woodhaven Village from a local developer, a Houston-based developer and owner. Um, and when we bought Woodhaven, we working with them on the transaction, ultimately decided to expand the Woodhaven Village by adding additional cottages and worked with the original developer to do so. They had uh, in mind to do active adult for a while. And so they came to us with this opportunity. We continued to research it. And between the two of us, we really formulated a plan to create a building that meets the needs of the marketplace. Um, and so that's the story behind the lakes at Woodhaven Village. Appreciate that. That was very thorough and spurred up a follow-up question in my mind. I was wondering, yeah. do you see this as an opportunity to expand? I, I know it's obviously market-specific, but do you see that being able to add these active adult cottages, um, do you see that as a possibility for other uh, grace management properties just across the country uh, as a way to kind of bring people into uh, kind of the grace management sphere of influence, if you will, um, just in, in getting them familiar with the brand. I would love to know if this is kind of like a, a model you see as being applicable in other markets um, as the uh, debt markets cool off. Yeah, I, I do. I think I'm not, can't say specifically, you know, where we would want to do this within our existing portfolio. Um, and to be clear, the cottages that we've got on campus really fit into that independent living category. However, they really are fit in between active adult and independent living. We've expanded additional cottages of as other locations in the past, um, but we do feel where their land is applicable, where we've got the opportunity to grow. Uh, and act, adding active adult makes a lot of sense as that first entrance into the marketplace to get to know us, to understand senior housing, and to really make that first move from downsizing outside of the family home into a more horizontal living. Uh, so we do believe that that is going to be an ongoing trend in the business and would love to find more opportunities to expand in the way that we're doing here. That being said, we're probably not going to relegate ourselves to only doing active adult on existing campuses. We will look at, at standalone opportunities as well. And obviously, if you're able to bring people in earlier, uh, you're able to help boost margins and occupancy. Um, do you see Active Adult as, as really a driver of margins and occupancy in the future as something to bring people into the uh, senior living continuum sooner? I do. I, um, I, first of all, it starts off at a lower price point um, than independent living does. It starts off at a higher or a much larger square foot on an apartment basis plan than typical independent livings. Um, and both of those factors I do believe are critical in getting people that are a little bit younger and, and less need driven to make the decision to leave the family home and to move into a communal living space that's horizontal. Once you kind of make that, that decision, then as you age and your needs start to increase, we feel it's a much more natural progression and much earlier progression to move into independent living or assisted living where you can get the services that you need. So the short answer is absolutely yes. We do believe that this is a, a good first step into senior housing that is um, a little less economically impactful than going into independent or assisted, as well as more similar to a multifamily setting, which we do believe is attractive to the you know early seniors market. 
Right, and it kind of gets to blending uh, and being able to make that uh, resident age, average age younger, right? I think that's uh, every operator yeah. to be able to do that. Well, and, and for our perspective, the sooner that somebody gets into an environment that's applicable for their needs and doesn't isn't waiting to the last minute, the more time that they'll be able to enjoy that, that opportunity as well as probably increase their wellness overall. So we, we think it, it's a win-win across the board. Of course. And now just shifting a little bit to talk about this last year and then looking ahead to 2024 for a bit. How would you characterize the year so far in terms of operations? We've heard uh, a lot of stories across the board, really, but mainly this year, it seems like there's a a positive story being told in terms of operators being able to recoup margin and, and recoup census. So just in terms of this year, how would you characterize it in terms of operations for Grace Management? I would agree with you. I think this year we have seen a stabilization of operating plat- of our operating platform across the board um, in all categories and most geographies as well. Um, we, while we took an occupancy hit during the pandemic years, like most, uh, I'd say we took far less of a hit. I think we went down by five to seven percent overall. Um, we started at kind of ninety-one percent, and we're in the mid eighties at the at the worst. Um, our occupancy grew back pretty fast in 2022, but we've seen 2023 be an opportunity to stabilize the inflationary factors, stabilize staffing, and to really try to get back to driving margin again, uh, which was something that wasn't the biggest concern of ours in, in call it 2020 and 2021 and, and 2022. Uh, so we see positive, positive tailwinds behind us. Um, we know from a macro perspective that development is much slower now, uh, so we're not seeing new competitors entering into our market spaces as often as we normally would in prior years, which is certainly helping with the absorption factor. Um, and we are seeing a settling of the labor market, which is you know was a, probably the main contributor to the volatility in 2022. Um, as a result, we are seeing margins improve. Um, we are back to our pre-pandemic margin level at Grace, which is great to hear. Um, and I would tell you that I think the product that we're putting out there uh, is better even than what we had out in 2019 in terms of the quality of the physical plants that we've been working on and updating throughout the pandemic, as well as our operational efficiency. Um, you know, prices spurred innovation to some extent. And so we had to get very creative about how we operate, how we operate efficiently, and how we know our business. And as a result, we I think we're better poised, better poised in 2023 to maximize our potential than we were even in 2019. Uh, so we're excited about the future. Well, congratulations on achieving those uh, pre-pandemic margins. I know that's kind of seems to be a goal for a lot of operators. So to be at that point uh, must feel good and, and refreshing as well, just to to put in all that all that hard work and had really paid off over the last three years. With occupancy showing promise and um, margins um, back at pre-pandemic levels, um, do you want to talk maybe about what some of the pressures that are still compressing margins right now? I think one of the things we've heard a lot this year is still on labor, um, but are there any other areas that you're really looking at as sort of new challenges uh, coming out of um, kind of this recovery mode and into the stabilization period, like you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, putting aside the capital markets challenge, which really isn't impacting the operations 
for us dramatically at all. Um, you know, I think we're, I think there are some other folks out there that do have capital market issues, i.e. debt maturities and things that are forcing them to make operational decisions that they may not want to do otherwise. Uh, we're not in that position. Uh, so we are, you know, really focus keenly on our on our business and and operating to the best that we can. I would tell you that we we feel in a pretty good place with respect to wage rate inflation. Um, it, we certainly feel stable on the care side with respect to wages and we don't typically run any agency labor. Um, obviously it comes and goes a little bit, but uh, we're talking you know far less than a percent. Um, and uh, we are seeing a little bit of uh, impact on wage rates on the end recruitment on the dining and housekeeping side. That being said, it's not anything that we didn't anticipate coming and therefore we're able to kind of budget for it and, and achieve our goals regardless of it. So we're actually feeling pretty good about some inflationary factors on the labor and the supply side. Um, you know, obviously some volatility, but, but fairly, you know, feel like it's heading in the right direction at least. Where we're still seeing some volatility that is impacting us are on two two main categories on the operating side. It's utilities and property insurance. Um, the utilities are still very difficult for us to predict. They're they're a little bit you know challenging right now. Uh, but property insurance is predictably going much 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 more expensive each and every renewal. Uh, it doesn't help, you know, we've got a lot of Florida exposure. We've got a lot of coastal exposure. So that doesn't help us in particular, but I'm hearing it from other operators that don't have those exposures that property insurance is still a, you know, a major component of their inflationary factors in 2023 and in 2024. And obviously we've seen throughout the year and uh, most recently, I think in the last last two quarters, that demand for senior living is remaining strong in the in the post-pandemic era. How, in your mind, how do you think demand can help keep margins steady kind of amid all these pressures that we've been talking about? Um, do you think that this type of demand for the senior living product is sustainable given the fact that there are so few start new starts right now? I do. I, I very much do. I think we actually could have, we needed a little bit of a pause on development to absorb what was already developed in the last, you know, seven years or so. Uh, but I do believe right now we, we've got tailwinds on occupancy growth. We're still in a demand driven product. Uh, this is still need driven in many cases. And the demographics are still very much heading in our right direction. Uh, there's not going to, nothing is going to stop those demographics from requiring a solution, whether or not that solution is independent living, active adults, staying at home with home health or something, there does need to be solutions for the aging population in the United States as well as the world. And frankly, that demand is going to fit in, and fill on all those buckets, not just one, but all. Of them. So we feel pretty good about that. I mean, our, for grace management, it's a little bit of a um, kind of a, a fortunate and unfortunate situation. We are at over 90% occupancy for our entire portfolio. As a result, we don't have that much occupancy to grow in order to recapture margin. Right. Um, our ability to recapture margin is going to come through maximize our ancillary revenues and maximizing our ability to capture our rates, both on the rental side and on the care side. So it's, it's all about our red floor. 
frankly, at grace, um, more so than it's about occupancy growth. That being said, having strong occupancy in those cases allows us to have a greater rev for growth than, say, our competitors that are still fighting and clawing to get up to stabilized occupancy rates. So it's a little bit of a catch-22 for us, but we feel like we're in a very good position to maximize our rev for going forward and really get those margins stable and, and even exceeding our 2019 level. And do you see that as something that will be attainable here in 2024? Would love to know just kind of um, the next question here, just your biggest opportunities in the short term. Would love to know just kind of what you see as those big opportunities. And is it on the ancillary revenue and care revenue side of things that there's really some opportunity to, to keep building back? Um, yes, and I, I don't think it only stops there. I think it. I think a lot of our opportunity comes with really getting smart about our business and using technology to make our practices far more efficient. Um, what I mean by that is continuing to refine our labor pool, making sure that we're running effective shifts, that we're maximizing the time that we spend on the floor, that we understand where the time is being lost, where it's being spent. Um, and therefore, we're, we've, we've investing into a lot of technological platforms that are helping us with data and helping us with on-site community operations. Um, so care tracking and tracking of the caregivers' time and where they're spent and what they're doing, allowing us to then update care plans and go back and seeking additional care revenue from our clients for the services that we can prove are being provided and are needed. So I believe that there's it's a combination of both you know, continue to do what we do well, but investing in technological platforms that give us far greater insight into our business in order to adjust our practices accordingly. And we want to reduce the time and energy of team members in the field and managing day-to-day processes that's, you know, track stuff, but don't actually impact the product delivery. And so all of that goes down to how do you, what tools do you use and how do you implement those tools and how do you train our folks on them and how do you retain the folks and know how to use them. And that's where we're spending the time and our energy in these next year to two years. We we believe by the end of 2024, we'll be in a different position technologically wise and information wise that <clears throat> managing our business will become actually easier for us uh, and more efficient for the community and the profitability of each community that we operate. And on the flip side, where do you kind of see some of the biggest short-term challenges? Is it like on those those two aspects that you already touched on, or are there kind of some other challenges that you're also thinking about as being kind of the the biggest obstacles in the short term? We'd love to know just kind of where you're where you're thinking about challenges right now. All about talent, frankly. Okay. Our challenges is all about you know being appealing to the next generation of talent being able to offer them opportunity for development and growth and being and, and really allowing that next generation to innovate the product. Um, you know, there's a lot of other industries people can go into. Uh, we are not known as the highest paying industry out there. We're certainly not known as the most you know, fun and, and interesting industry either for a lot of young people. But we believe it is critical that we continue to invest in talent, continue to build it up, and, and really create a future growth for the space with the people inside of it. Um, you know, additional challenges are, are related to the economy. Uh, I'm not an economist. I'm not going to pretend to predict it. But, you know, should we fall into a recession or should something along those lines happen where the housing market 
um, starts to really get impacted by the economy. That does have an impact on senior housing, no question. Uh, so we are concerned and, and thinking about that. But at the end of the day, those are things that are slightly out of our control. Um, and we're focusing on areas that are in our control. Um, so, but, you know, other than that, we feel, feel very confident that the future of senior housing is very bright. It's got a lot of tailwinds today, and we don't see those tailwinds going away anytime in the near future. And that gets to my last point here is what's your outlook for senior housing as we head into 2024? It sounds like it's a pretty rosy picture. I know there are obviously some challenges, but uh, it seems like you you um, buy into to the optimism that seems to be out there um, from uh, regardless of the operator size. It seems like everyone is really buying into just the future of senior living. So when you're thinking about the outlook in terms of the industry in general, uh, what do you see coming in 2024? And do you uh, share kind of that positive outlook? I do. I, I, I absolutely share the positive outlook with respect to property operations. Um, I do think 2024, we'll see a lot more volatility in the capital markets with respect to um, you know, debt becoming coming due and lenders having to make a decision on how they want to handle that and owners having to make a decision on how they want to handle it. What I hope that that leads to, frankly, is a continued investment in the managers, the people like race management and other folks like us out there that really are critical to the owner's success and the lender's success. If the capital markets continue to support the operations, I see nothing but good things happening in 2024. I think margins are going to continue to rise for all operators in 2024. I think occupancy is going to continue to go up across the board. I think the labor market will continue to settle, frankly. Um, and therefore, our expenses are going to hopefully become a lot more predictable and manageable. And I do believe that there's some great technological advancements that are coming through a bunch of third parties that are going to help us as operators manage our business better. And all of it comes back to providing the right product for the right customer. And that I do believe senior housing is getting better at every single day. Um, so I'm excited about the industry and not just for 2024. I'm excited for the industry for the next 10 to 20 years. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I think we're going to see a lot of change and a lot of positive growth that, you know, puts our product at the preeminent end of the real estate spectrum. And I'm excited for that. Well, Guy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us here on the Transform Podcast. It's been great having you on. Austin, my pleasure. Thank you so much for your continued support of our industry and I look forward to talking to you next time. That does it for this episode of Transform. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening.